Next up on Talk Zone is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Are you concerned about your job? Concerned about losing it? Concerned about not having the tools needed to reinvent your career or to reposition yourself in the workplace? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, or even if you just want to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, then join the conversation right now on Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Now, here are your hosts, Charlie and Eva. Hi, thanks for joining today. We've got a really fun show. It's just Charlie and me, and we're going to be discussing why so many of us hate our jobs and what we can do about it. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. Charlie here. Did you know Eva and I have a really cool e-commerce shopping site? It's shopcharlieandeva.com. Check it out. You'll find custom designs that might just make a statement about you. And some great gift items, too. That's shopcharlieandeva.com. We're adding more designs every month, so be sure to keep checking back in. One last time, shopcharlieandeva.com. And now, let's return to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. All right. Welcome, everyone. And as Eva stated, we are discussing why so many of us hate our jobs. The present company excluded. Excluded, yeah. I shouldn't have said us, but I did, yeah. There was Um, a time when we had that issue. So, you know, it is a problem. And um, there's a lot of things that factor into this, right? Mm-hmm. Honestly, um, we have to we have to own this. We have to cut the crap here, and we have to really discuss it. That's why I'm glad it's just us, because we can be a little more honest. Yes, right? I agree with that. Um, so, uh, you know, let's start by I want to start by saying, you know, money. We need more money. That's why I hate my job. And also culture, because it's a crazy place to work. For now, let's just table that, okay, for a second? Yes. Because it's too easy to say, I need more money. It is It is right? too easy to say. And yes. it's easy to say, oh, the culture at this place is crazy. It's Right? We, What we're going to do here is we're going to take it on ourselves. Right. right. That's important. It is our life. It is our career. It's on us. Right. All right. So, you know, when I when I looked at this and, uh, you know, Eva, as we go through um, some of these, um, we'll discuss them, of course. And then we're going to lean on you for some helpful hints so that helpful we can, coaching advice. Right. So that we can stop hating our jobs. Right. And the world will be a better place. <laughs> yes, it will. Right. So, you know, when I. Honestly, at this stage in our career, you know, when I look back and I ask myself, you know, why do so many hate their job? And look, ourselves as well, right, in our career. First thing I come up with, okay, is sorry, but we have poor or non-existent self-leadership skills, right? Mm -hmm. We never really learned how to lead ourselves. Um, You know, we, we... Say yes to everything asked of us from, you know, above us, mm-hmm. right? We don't know how to level set or integrate our lives into the job. We sort of panic and bury it. Like, I can't come home for dinner because I got to stay and do this, you know? We don't know how to manage that. We don't know how to manage it. And, you know, we take so many different leadership classes and we learn from so many different leaders and yet, so many people still can't lead. 
Yeah, I don't understand. And so you have to at least start with leading your own self and your own life and move forward. And we'll talk about that a little bit more, too. But um, Right. Harshly, and I don't mean to be harsh, but I'm harsh to myself. Yes. Um, it's on me. If I if I hate my job and I can't lead myself out of that emotion, mm-hmm. then it's on me. I got who else is going to do it? Right. Right. So let's go through the other ones about some of the reasons and then we'll start addressing as okay. to what we can do. So we tend to be ambivalent. We tend to say there's nothing we can do and we end up taking no action, um, which further grinds us into the role of hating it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's getting worse and worse and worse. I can't make plans. I have no life. Um, and so on. And so, so what on. you're saying is there's no self-empowerment, right? I feel powerless to do anything about the situation. And I end up taking zero action. Right. And, you know, since <laughs> it's habit forming, right, and many people suffer from this, we wear it like a badge of honor, which oh, yeah. makes even less sense, right? Um, well, the higher the misery index the bigger the badge of honor. And we've talked about that with other guests we've had on the show is it is a badge of honor. It's like I worked 60 hours. No, I worked 70 hours. No, I worked 80 hours. No, I didn't even go home. Right. <laughs> I don't have a home. I've got I've got people on on both coasts and some in India and some in Asia. And so I just go 24 seven because I only need five minutes of sleep. Right. <laughs> right. And um, but to be honest, right, we're not. We get it, right? We get that everybody works hard and everybody's good at what they do. But when we start spewing about, oh, my God, I don't have a minute's rest and um, it's crazy. And I say things like, okay, walk me through your day. Um, they're all over the place. Mm-hmm. And again, it goes back to self-leadership. Right. Your day is not organized because you're basically just saying yes to everything everybody says. And we're going to also address... Because I know what people are saying when they listen to this. They're saying, well, but hang on a second. I can't say no. If I say no, I'm going to get fired. And there's a part of that that is absolutely true. There is a part of that that's true. So we're going to talk about that. And that could be related to culture, right? Part of it, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So, all right. So non-existent or very poor self-leadership school uh, skills, failure to take any action and be powerless. Um, Also... We're not stupid, right? So we see what's happening. And I think a lot of the hate is fueled by our disappointment. You know, we let ourselves down. This is this is not what we wanted, right? And that doesn't help either, right? Now what do I do? Now I'm in a hole that I can't get out of. Right. And, and one of the things that I want to say before we even go any further is that when we're saying that there's no self-leadership, there's no this, we understand before everybody goes on the defensive and turns off and doesn't want to listen to another word because they're saying, well, you don't get what I go through. You know, we understand that culture has changed in corporate America over the years, and it is tough working now, and it is skeletal staffs, and people are overworked. But there are different things that when you start thinking in a little bit different way, you can start doing to start making it a little bit easier. Yep. I agree. And uh, there's even, you know, modern day examples that we'll bring up in a second. Um, So partly also is because it is hard 
work is hard. It's difficult to keep up. It's mm-hmm. easy to dislike it if we're not careful, right? It's habit forming. It's what we know. We know how to be negative, right? We know how to be overwhelmed. Um, and when we perform like a deer in headlights, it's very difficult to keep up. And that's an, and that further grinds us down that role of, uh, hating my job. <clears throat> and, um, let's be honest, right? We're not good at reinventing. If, <laughs> if your role, if you did everything in your power and you're not making any emotional headway, you need to reinvent. Maybe you need a different job. Maybe, <clears throat> Maybe the company is going in a direction you're not happy with, right? It's not your company, you know, and maybe failure to reinvent fueled some of the hate. Okay, so I think maybe where we should go forward now is to start talking about some of the different ways that you can actually start taking control of what it is that you do, right? So we've established that, yeah, a lot of people don't like what they're doing. I mean, we hear that a lot, and it's not necessarily – lower level positions it can be throughout the whole organization yeah, it's, po- it's position independent it is position independent so people that we know that are on the higher end of organizations are up at the top levels they're always afraid that they're going to lose what they have or they feel great pressure to hang on to that and then what's going to happen like nobody feels secure in what they're doing and yeah just to add to that right so if I am low person on the totem pole mm-hmm. and you're a high person on the totem pole and we're having this conversation, you might put your hand on my head and say, well, I hear what you're saying, but walk a mile in my shoes. I'm responsible for 30 people. If if I fall or 2000 right. or 20,000 and then yeah. uh, in turn, I might put my hand on your head and say, well, good for you. You're making 150,000 a year. I'm not. You know. Oh, I mean, and that's on the low end. Yeah. Right. So it works. It's both ends. It's position independent. <laughs> it is position independent. So what we want to start doing is you want to start looking at gaining some awareness around where you're at, because what happens is we run and run and run and run and run and we don't take a breath and figure out what exactly is going on. So the first step is always some awareness. And that always can be kind of a yawner, like, oh, I can't believe that. Okay, so now we're going to be talking about awareness, pie in the sky. I've got a boss that's crazy, and you're talking about I should become self-aware. Yes, you should become self-aware. Uh-uh. That's the number one spot that you have to start, because if you're not self-aware, you're going to go to exactly the same boyfriend or girlfriend at another organization and have exactly the same issue. So just like you have the friend that goes to the same exact boyfriend, girlfriend, every time, different face, different name, same exact situation. It's going to be the same thing with the job. You're going to find exactly the same thing in another organization. So the grass is not always greener. Not always greener. You have mm-hmm. to become very self-aware. You know, just a, a point on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, not being able to do anything and not even thinking about it. Um, my boss years ago was a heavy smoker. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I hated the smell. Never yeah. occurred to me to be a little more aware. You know, I was up to two packs a day of secondhand smoke. <laughs> right. And it never occurred to me to say, hold on, can you turn your head when you puff or 
can we not smoke or I can't deal with this, you know, and maybe I wouldn't have been sick and angry all day long as a result. Simple right. example, but true. So one of the things around awareness, um, we have a couple minutes before the break. One of the things about awareness is first figuring out what exactly is the problem. Being as specific as possible, just saying I hate it here is not good enough. You have to sit down and you have to write it out. And everybody kind of fights me on this about the writing it out part, but it's absolutely true. You have to write it out. You have to get very clear you know, write it out every day for a week. What is it that's bugging you? Because like you said, there was a secondhand smoke issue. You weren't even, you maybe were thinking, I just hate going in there, not even realizing that the one of the reasons you hate going in there is the secondhand smoke. You know, is it the secondhand mm-hmm. smoke? Is it the secondhand smoke and the fact that your boss is a jerk? Is it, or you say that, that your boss is a jerk? Is it, um, he thinks I'm a jerk, right? Or, here's something that very few people talk about, and they've been talking about it more lately, but they never used to talk about this. Are you an introvert working in an open floor plan? And so having all those people and all that activity around you is really overwhelming. Or you could be highly sensitive, and that too is overwhelming. Hmm. Or are you an extrovert sitting locked in a high, tall cube and never interacting with anybody? Hmm. You know, that will make you crazy, too. And you see that a lot of times with an extrovert will get promoted to the corner office, love their job, get into the corner office, and then suddenly they're isolated and not talking to anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I agree. And that's awareness. Right. right? That's part of and, awareness. Yes. You know, when we talk about early on, uh, we talked about money and culture. We just put it aside. The point here is if you're that self-aware and you have the ability to self-lead, you will lead and you will become a leader and you will make more money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you will move. If not here, then somewhere else. But you first have to become very aware of what's going on and what is it, a, what is it about the job that's bothering you. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go ahead and take our first break. And then we come back. I want to talk about that some more. This is Charlie Lobosco. If you're working on a development project practicing agile methodologies, this message is for you, regardless of your role on the team. Agile is a faster, smarter, and more efficient way to develop and deliver continuous results. If this is not happening in your agile environment, reach out right now. My agile coaching and certification training programs empower you with agile skills that encourage collaboration, increase productivity, and even improve overall team morale. Now that's making a difference. I say, become Agile certified the right way, regardless of your role on the team, and then watch what happens. Reach out right now to charlie at charlieandiva.com and let's continue this conversation. Your future is counting on you. Let's get back to Charlie and Eva for more corporate talk on TalkZone. Thanks for staying with us, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and our topic today is why you hate your job and what you can do about it. So we came up with a whole bunch of reasons, and you were coaching us through some of them, and you said the number one thing was first, hello, assess what's going on. Yeah, you have to really assess. You have to get very clear on what it is that's bothering you. And then as you get very, very, very specific, you can't just say, I hate this place. That doesn't work. What is it about this place that you hate? We talked a little bit about 
introverts and extroverts and how open floor plans can be really tough on and introverts and highly sensitives. And yet, you know, high cubes can be really tough for extroverts or offices. I know for me, um, in technology, a lot of the cubes now are smaller and smaller. Mm -hmm. And with that, they have whiteboards that slide out. You almost box in even more, right? Right. And, you know, you have a little light, you're on a headset it's almost like you're tied down. And for me, it's a form of torture. It is right? a form of torture for you. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So that's another reason. So the work was in my sweet spot. Right. Right. Um, but I couldn't live there because I couldn't come out of my shell. I couldn't communicate. I, I couldn't stay closed in and right. not speak to anybody face to face. Right. Right. And so those types of things. So once you get very clear on what it is that's bothering you, then you can start maybe addressing it with leadership. Now, sometimes you can't. Like sometimes they're going to say to you, well, you know, you need to stay in that area because that's all we can do. But you first at least have to try to address it, to just say what the issue is, what your solution is, because it's not up to leadership to figure that out for you. You need to try and come up with a solution and then present that and then present what the payoff then is to the organization. And that's 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 really good. And that's why number one was poor or non-existent self-leadership skills, because that's leadership, what mm-hmm. you're describing. Mm-hmm. And it's on all of us. And that's role independent to be able to lead ourselves like that. And you could assess. You could make some assessment notes. <laughs> right. And you can call your guys together. Well, and you do make notes, right? And this is about writing it out, taking every day and just writing out what you like and what you don't like. Um, there was, I can't remember, um, Daniel Boone. No, stop. Daniel, I think pink. And he had, um, a method of that you would go through the day and just jot down in a notebook. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. And your goal is to try to put more likes into your day than dislikes into your day. And even if it's not going to work where you are, you at least know what you want. If you need to move, should that happen? We don't recommend or suggest that. But if that does happen, you at least have a little handle on what you like. Right. You get very clear on it. That's what the point is about being very specific about what you like and what you don't like. And you can then use this technique for your personal life as well. Hmm. Right. It works for everything, not just at work, getting really specific about what's bugging you, because otherwise you just walk around with a chip on your shoulder. Yeah. You know, the other thing is you want to look at. If you're in a negative environment, you want to make sure is it really a negative environment or is it me? I mean, do people tend to tell you you're negative? Now, that's something to kind of listen to if a lot of people are telling you that. You know, it's like the old joke. You know, you walk into a jerk in the morning, you walked into a jerk. If you walk into a jerk in the morning, in the afternoon and evening, then you're the jerk, right? Yeah. Um, so you really want to be very clear on, is it me? Am I being negative? Is this something going on at home that's making me negative and I'm bringing that to work? Or am I just hanging out with a lot of negative people? Because it's contagious. Negativity can be very, very contagious. And if you're hanging out with negative people, you're then going to bring that with you. Now, it could be negative people at work. It could be negative people at home. It could be negative friends of yours. Whoever it is, you have to be careful because you will catch that virus. And that could also be related to culture. 
Well, yeah, but that's my point, right? Is it the culture or is it you? Mm -hmm. And so you have to be the one that starts turning that around. Just because everyone else is negative, you don't have to necessarily buy into that. Yeah. And you could be the one that starts turning it around and becoming a bit more positive. Now, all of this isn't to say that there aren't situations that are really toxic and are really bad. But the point around getting very specific is that you will then know what to look for in the next job when you go on a job search. Because otherwise, if you if you aren't specific, if you don't know what you want and what you don't want, then you're not going to be able to find that in the next organization. Ever. Ever. So you have to be very clear. So a, a lot of times it never occurs to us that we don't have to hate our job. Some people, it, for many of us, it's just a given. It's just a given. Like my father hated his job and my granddaddy hated his job and my great great granddaddy <laughs> hated his job. So now I'm going to hate my I'm a my third job. generation job hater. Job hater. That's exactly right. You know, if you're always going around talking about, you know, I'm not going to go work for the man anymore. Well, then you got to be careful. Yeah. So we're sitting in a conference room and I'm trying not to hate my job and someone is speaking and the boss cuts that person off and I need to say, wait, 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 wait. I needed to hear that. I was listening to this. This is important. I have to be courageous enough to take that action. Well, and you have to be a little careful, right? You have to be a little careful because the best thing to do is if you're going to interrupt someone, especially someone that's higher up in the organization, is to say, would it be okay if you repeated that because I didn't catch that? Oh, how, how? You have to be a little diplomatic. I you're not good at that. Tell you the coach. <laughs> you're not good at that. Diplomacy, little diplomacy involved, right? But, because you don't want to just throw yourself under the bus. Right. When you take your approach, can mm. you say how you said that again? Would it? Just say, would it be all right if I asked the question because I didn't catch what they can said? Can they repeat that? Yeah. Yeah. Can so I repeat it? Listen to what morphs when you say that. You feel better because you're going to get that information repeated. Mm -hmm. That person feels better because they get a sense of respect because they were saying something important enough to have it asked to be repeated. Right. Right. And, you know, your boss feels better because everybody's engaged here. Right. Well, and there's another thing is everybody in the room tends to feel better because there was a bunch of people that didn't catch what that person said. Yeah. Is it just me or, you know, how we go? <laughs> right. So, and, and it also goes by seniority in the organization. Like if you're lower man on the totem pole and you've just been there for a few months, then it's best to not talk so much and listen and listen and listen and listen. And then as you get a little more seasoned, then you can start speaking up. But it's always appropriate to ask for something to be repeated if you didn't catch it. Yeah. Um, the only time it's an, I, I will say something. There is a caveat here. There, there are times when it's inappropriate if that's all you're doing is you're asking because you've been on the phone and you've been texting and you're not paying attention. Yeah. You know, then it's inappropriate. And every, every couple of minutes he would say, can we recap? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it's complicated and it is challenging because, you know, who's doing most of the talking, who's doing the least of the talking, all that stuff factors in. It takes a little bit of finesse. It takes a little bit of finesse, but that is actually a skill 
that will work very well for you if you become very self-aware, you understand what the issue is, and you appropriately speak up about it. And so, and you're saying in the awareness end, we should be writing stuff down. Yeah, you always need to write it down because unless you write it down, you're not going to get clarity around it. So if someone were to ask you what the problem is, by writing it down, you're going to be able to get very crystal clear on it. It's kind of like in the early days when we first started doing this and someone would ask you, like, what is it that we do? And in your head, you kind of knew. But when it came to actually verbally saying it, it was tough to get it out. That's yeah. the whole thing about elevator pitching and you're always elevator pitching, right? It's the same with this. You have to write it down to get very clear on it. I would say everything. And that's not really an answer. No, that's what not. What do you do? Everything. Yeah, that's not an answer at all. It's that's, like, okay, thanks. And off they went. That and- sounds like <laughs> someone that hated their job, right? Yeah. So in the assessment part. Because first of all, it's a lie. You don't do everything, mm. right? I mean, what's everything? Everything? I mean, I can change a tire, I can make dinner, and I can, you know, code something, right? I mean, what's everything? It's it's a lie. So you have to get very specific on what it is that you like and what you don't like and what it is that you bring to the table is the other piece of it. You know, what are you bringing to the table? How do you fit into the big picture of the organization? I know I've brought this guy up before, but there was a French guy whose name I have written down. Pepe Le Pew? No. Um He's a management consultant, and he did a TED Talk about how everyone hates their job. They had gone into, like, hundreds of organizations, and everywhere they went, everyone hated their job. And what they figured out was that people didn't understand where they fit in the organization. Now, that's on you. I mean, yeah, the organization can do a lot to help with that, but there's also a piece of that. Take the empowerment piece of that and understand that that's on you as well. Take a look at your job. See how you fit into the big picture of the organization. So one way to reframe what you do, like let's say you pack boxes at Amazon at the warehouse. You can look at it as I just pack boxes at the warehouse at Amazon. Or you can look at it as I'm instrumental as as I'm instrumental. I'm the person that gets the products that we sell to the people that really want them. You know, I'm part of the flow of this. Mm -hmm. You know, it's huge because the people are looking for their product, and if they're not going to get the product or the product comes and it's broken, there's an issue, that's not going to help the organization, and then in turn that's not going to help you. But if you look at it as you've got purpose, that someone purchased this, put their money down, really are looking forward to this product, and you have carefully packed this product and you're getting it to them on time and how happy they're going to be when they open up that box. That sounds really pie in the sky and Pollyanna, but it will put you in a better frame of mind around it. Pollyanna dates you, I will say that. Yeah, it does date me. But anyway, um, and it's the same thing with anything you do in the organization. How is it that you fit in? How is it that you fit in the chain? You know, what is it that you do that you bring to the table where you really feel empowered about what you do. You know, let's say you've got, you know, the lady that cleans, um, the lady or guy that cleans the room at a hotel. When they do a good job and you come to that room, 
I mean, you can feel it. You know, the room's sparkling. It's really nice to be in. You feel good about coming back to that hotel. Yep, That's an important job. And even if it goes unnoticed, if it's not done, and we've had that too, and we go into right. the Right. I mean, it's, it's just such a drag, and you don't want to come back to that hotel. So what you're saying is um, in the awareness, you want to – you want to be proud of what you do. So you want to you want to proudly determine what it is you do and what you're good at. Right. And not just everything everybody asks you to do. Right. Right. I mean, you really want to look at what it is that you bring to the table and to put all your effort, energy and love into that job. It's going to make a difference for you. You're going to feel better about it. Interesting. Okay, so I think um, why don't we go ahead and take our second break. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. We'll be right back. CARE Certification in the Workplace is the award-winning shared leadership training seminar that will revolutionize your career and position you as the go-to person in your organization, regardless of your job description. CARE is the acronym for Courage to Take Action Relevant to Everyone. This means your new workplace mission is to deliver results for the good of the company, but not at the expense of others. Up until now, CARE certification was only available through company-sponsored seminars. But now you can become CARE certified in the workplace on your own time. Order Module 1 today and begin the transformation. There's unlimited opportunity in the workplace today, provided you have the right strategy. Becoming CARE certified is the right strategy. For more information, go to charlieandeva.com. That's charlieandeva.com. And now, let's return to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. All right, guys, welcome back. Um, loving this conversation and this coaching that we're getting from uh, Miss Eva. Thank you. Um, by the way, just to repeat from the commercial, there is unlimited opportunity in the workplace today, provided we have the right strategy. Okay. And that's kind of what we're talking about, right? It is the right strategy. We need to have a strategy. Um, so we're assessing, we're trying to be aware of what we do. Um, but then we still have to take action. So if I, you know, here's a, here's a common example that takes place, right? Um, in many corporate offices today, we have the ability to work from home. Yes. We have remote work. And sometimes we're even classified as remote employee where we don't even have an office to go to, right? Right. Um, and then with that, oftentimes that becomes a burden because now we're trapped at the desk, okay? So we have rules around working remote. We can't leave the the workstation because we got to be at work. We can't have people trying to track us down. If we were in the right. office, we'd be at our desk. Right. Right. So we need to even, from what I'm learning, um, even that we have to assess that and mm-hmm. say, okay, now if I sit in this chair for eight hours, I'm going to, I'm going to be crazy. So even though the rules say I have to stay connected, I have to assess that and realize if I want to work remote, I'm going to learn how I have to learn how to not have it make me crazy to sit still. Right. And you have to understand that maybe then you don't, if you can not work remote full time. Right. Maybe there's, you know, a position that you can take where you're remote part time. It depends. Like some people love remote. Other people don't love remote. Right. Full time remote. Everybody likes to be home part of the time. I don't think everybody likes to be home 
all of the time. And I think that that was one of the things that happened when everybody started moving towards remote. We started finding that a lot of people got depressed from being remote mm-hmm. because there's no interaction anymore. It's all virtual interaction. You don't have that camaraderie that you have in the office. For introverts, it's great. For extroverts, it's not so much. It's hard. So you have to then figure out if you can't switch it around at the job, well, then what can you do to change that to get more interaction? Right. So an example, um, and I I wish I had this coaching when I was tied down working from home. An example would be, let's say for me, um, of course, hindsight, right? But what I could have done is gone out, gotten dressed as if I was commuting, left the house at, you know, like an, a half hour, an hour before work, just like I was commuting, go to Starbucks, get my coffee or whatever it is I, I get and come back here and have it at my desk before I work. Not just walk in and start working. Right. That gets me out. Right. Same thing with, let's say, a break or lunchtime or something like that. I needed to lead myself better. Yes. Yes, because what happens is, is, and I know this was in the early days of working um, remote, is that people kind of always say, and you still hear it, right? They go, oh, you can work in your pajamas. That to me is like my worst nightmare working in my pajamas. I, I don't like being in my pajamas after I'm out of the bedroom. <laughs> I want to be functional. So for me, that was taking a shower, putting on makeup, getting dressed, like you said, maybe getting some coffee and then coming in to sit down to work. It just felt more functional. And when you say it, it sounds easy and it sounds like common sense. It takes discipline to do that every day. It does. Right? It does because it is easy because especially with us being so connected to the phone and the laptop and everything else, we feel like we have to constantly be on, right? Mm -hmm. So we're constantly looking at the phone. We're constantly looking at the laptop. It's kind of busy work that's not really productive work. Right. Right. And you have to really get a handle on that and just see what am I actually accomplishing? And if you slow down, do one thing at a time, you will get more accomplished and you won't necessarily always have to be chained to the laptop because work typically is about getting more work done and being productive than it is about just sitting there. And, you know, so you sit at the at the desktop for 10 hours, but what did you really get done? Yeah. Did you make something better? Did you help a customer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is the company losing money by having you there, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to understand that, right? Work is work, and um, at times it can be very difficult and very stressful. Right. But we need to assess and become aware and use everything in our power to make it better, right? Yeah, and so I wanted to go back because there was something in awareness that I didn't necessarily touch on, but you want to look at this too is why did you take this job in the first place? What is it about this job that drew you to it? Could now, be the money. Sometimes it is just the money. Sometimes I just needed a job and I had to take this job. So whatever it is, look at are you getting what you thought you were going to get from this job you know you write down what it is that you wanted from the job in the first place what you what your expectations were and 
what are you actually getting from it? How is it different from what your expectation was? Because you want to be very, very clear on that before you decide, well, I've just got to go somewhere else. Well, uh, you just took that a step earlier, I'll say, because yeah. in your quest for awareness, you have to do that when you take a job because you just took it. And now you're saying, am I getting what I expected? It may not have even occurred to you to expect anything. Right, right. So that's why the awareness piece is so absolutely key. And really then, and just to recap a little bit, and then really understanding where your place is within the organization and what you're bringing to the table. Yeah, I'm just thinking about that. Um, and even with that, let's say in the IT field, right, mm-hmm. we'd say, and what exactly is it that you bring to the table? And I would hear, well, um, I know this language and I know that language. And that's n- not what I was asking. Right? That's part of it. Right. But it's not exactly what you bring to the table. So you want to get very clear on that. And if you and if you can't get clear on it, then maybe it's time to start assessing how you're approaching work every day. Yeah. And you don't have to look for stuff. It is what it is. So it could be what am I good at? I keep my head down, my blinkers on, and my keyboard clicking away with software. That's what I do. I write code, and that's it. Then that's what you say. It's what you say, but you have to be careful with that too, though, right? Because maybe your job entails that you understand before you go clicking away on your keyboard to code, maybe your job entails understanding what the business does. And maybe question what it is you're developing. Because maybe the business can use some guidance. And that's if you're a developer, right? I mean, there's as an example. Yeah, that's an example. Always more that you could bring to the table. Right. Then you realize. Right. And that's actually what organizations look for. So we'll say, well, I have enough on my plate as it is anyway. It's not about putting more on your plate. It's working a little bit smarter because if you understand your place, within your department and your organization and understand how what you do impacts people down the line, right? Because everything we do impacts someone. And so if you understand what your impact is for people down the line from you, you can then probably work smarter and help someone down the line as well. Yeah. And make that person's job easier. Because it's forgetting about whether or not we hate what we do. Okay. Mm -hmm. But where we work, we should be excelling. We should be doing over and above our job description to get things done. Exactly to your point, right? Um, Maybe what we're going to do is going to help somebody two levels over or two levels down in the chain. And, you know, that's a good thing, right? And if it isn't, maybe we want to rethink how we do it. Right. But that takes understanding what other people within the organization do. So sometimes people will say, well, you know, you can't really go around and talking to everybody. But that's something to even approach leadership with to say, well, you know, I know that whatever it is that I'm doing impacts these other folks down the road. So let's say you're in marketing and it impacts sales. Well, why aren't we talking to sales to make sure that we're giving them everything that they need to make the sale? Right. Right. And when you start acting in that way, you don't have all this 
contentiousness between the different departments. Because we used to find that a lot. There'd always be all this contention and stuff couldn't get done because people weren't talking to each other. They were angry with each other. And it's really about being more collaborative and understanding what they need and what, how you work and explaining it. So when you talk about awareness, I'm thinking um, at the very least, and this is something everyone can do, first become aware of the big picture in your organization, right? Mm-hmm. That you're not just a resource. First become aware of the big picture so that you can be looked upon as a partner little by little as you start seeing what's going on. Mm-hmm. And that, again, goes back to um, poor or non-existent self-leadership skills because not many of us do that. Right. And, you know, one way to do that is you can start. I used to move around the organization quite a bit when I was working at Transamerica. I worked I worked in many different departments. And one of the things that that gave me was, you know, I started in accounting and then went into IT and I was working with financial systems and IT. So when I was talking to the IT guys, they would say, well, why do they need this? Well, here's why they need this. You know, they're asking for these different reports, not because they want to just make your life miserable. They're asking for it because they need it for X, Y, and Z. And the more understanding there is between the two departments or three departments or the organization, the easier your job becomes and the more fun it becomes. Because when people understand each other, it just makes things easier. Things run easier. So then when I would then go back to the accounting people and I would say, you guys, you can't ask for it this way because this is how this works. They can't give you this, what you're looking for. You have to look at it this way. And then they'd say, oh, okay. And then we would come to some kind of consensus around what we can and can't so do and how you- to do it and give everybody what they need without everybody going crazy and just being angry. Without fear of repercussions. Um, well, there wasn't repercussion because we were getting everything done that needed to be done and even faster than it was originally asked for. So you're not trying to dictate policy, protest policy, get out of doing work. You're trying to help make something better. Right. That's exactly right. And in turn, make your job easier and other people's jobs easier and everybody's getting what they need and everybody's yeah. happier. Yeah. So if you think of it like that, there's no reason to hate your job. You're going to you're going to have to work 8 hours anyway and you're getting paid. Yeah. Right? So And I think to- everybody knows that. I what happens is a lot of times is there's been a lot of downsizing, there's been a lot of cuts, there's been a lot of consolidations, and so people start getting very very overwhelmed. And every time that starts to happen, you have to turn around and reassess again. Because the work still needs to be done. And sometimes the demands are crazy and are off the charts. And so what is it that you can do to make it a little bit easier for everybody, keep your positivity up, and get the job done that needs to get done? And sometimes that means reassessing and looking at how it's done and looking at it at a different way and not just doing what everybody tells you to do, but really assessing what is it that I'm doing and what do you want from this? Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Um, and that's self-leadership skills, going back to that, right? Right. It's definitely – it's always about empowering yourself 
And it will then make you feel better about yourself and what you're doing. And then you can then decide, do I stay here or do I move on? But it's always about first trying these different things because many organizations run the same way and you're going to find the same issues at different places. I mean, we're still balancing. It is tricky. You still have to do your job description Mm -hmm. as well, right? You still have to deliver. You still have to deliver, but a lot of times – what you've been delivering, the, the way you've been delivering it is no longer, um, it's antiquated. You know, it, mm-hmm. a lot of times it can be that it's no longer valid. So you need to look at that. Um, okay, so we're going to go ahead and take our last break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about what you can do outside of work to make your work oh, better. Excellent. Stay we'll with right us. Back. Let's face it. Getting noticed at work can be tough. And if you're someone that struggles with anxiety when giving a presentation, voicing your opinion, or sharing your skills with other professionals, it can be even tougher. Hi, I'm Eva Levandusky, and I know how it feels. You have the confidence, yet when all eyes are on you, the fear can kick in. I tried everything from Toastmasters to hypnosis, and nothing helped. But in my search, I uncovered a secret. There was nothing wrong with me. I just needed the right combination of tools and support. So I developed my own program that teaches you how to calm the physical symptoms, stop the negative self-talk, and shows you how to confidently step into the role of leader, regardless of your job title. If you do the work, this program is not only effective, it's fast. So reach out to me at Eva at charlieandeva.com for a free 30-minute consultation. It's your turn to step into the spotlight. Welcome back to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. Thanks for staying with us. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and we're talking about jobs, why we love them, why we hate them. Why we have them. Why we have them. (laughs) So we talked a lot about awareness and what you can do within work. And, of course, it's always about self-empowerment. And all change, as annoying as it is, starts with us, Mm. right? It always has to start with us first. We have to change because we really can't change anyone else. But if our attitude changes, then it can also change what's happening around us. And sometimes just looking at things differently will make things different. It was like Wayne Dyer used to say, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. (laughs) Nice, right? And so you first want to become aware of what exactly the issue is. Just saying I hate my job doesn't count. What uh, is it about it? You know, is it the hours? Is it the stress? Is it um and when you and even when you say that the hours or the stress, be as specific as possible, write it down. I don't like I to cannot, get up at five thirty in the right, morning. You know, I mean you have to stress that I'm not a morning person. I can't take the month end deadlines. All of that. You write all that down. You become very aware. And then see what it is that you can change. And don't Don't decide too quickly that you can't change any of it because a lot of times it's just a matter of stating the problem to leadership, stating a solution to leadership, and then, you know, giving them the payoff from making the change. But in your assessing, Mm -hmm. you, I think, I don't know, it's important to know the cause or where the root is because if I can't figure out why I don't like this. Maybe it's just because I'm a miserable person. Well, that's, we talked about that too. You know, is it that you're negative starting there? But when you get really specific about what it is that's bugging you, like let's say, you know, I don't like this coworker. I don't like that coworker. I don't like this. 
if you're finding that, well, I don't like the way they do this and I don't like the way they do that and I don't like the way this person talks to me, as you're writing that down, a pattern is going to appear. And that pattern is going to be that maybe you're the one that's being negative and you're trying to control everything. Everybody has to do stuff your way. And my guess is that someone's already told you that, that that's mm-hmm. a problem, right? Mm-hmm. But as you're writing it down, you're going to see that. And it doesn't take just one day of writing it down. You have to write it down at least for a week, start so would assessing. You, would you call that self-communication or, I mean, writing it down? No, it's just self-awareness. Self-awareness. Okay. Yeah, and, and gaining clarity on what it is that's bothering you. And writing always does that. You can type, but I find writing longhand does works the best. I bet but, very few people do that. No, there's more than you would think. But, yeah, I mean, that's really the place to start. If you're really struggling, what is it that's really bugging me? Cool. And then what's the payoff for staying stuck? Because a lot of times we say we stay stuck and we think because there's nothing we can do, but there's a payoff for it. At least I'm working. Well, it's not so much at least I'm working. It's then I can complain about working. You know, I can I can go back to my family and say. I'm up to two packs of secondhand smoke a day. Right. (laughs) Or, well, you can. Let me finish. (laughs) This is a problem. (laughs) So, I mean, one of the things you can, one of the payoffs could be is that, you know, you turn around and you say to your family, well, you know, you've got those gym shoes because I'm in that terrible job. So, Mm, you know, we've got this beautiful house because I stay in that terrible job. I mean, there's a payoff for that. Yeah, there's a, there's a definite badge of honor. I'm, I've done that myself sometimes. I've had friends that have done that. You know, well, I can't quit because I've got a mortgage. Whereas his wife was saying, we'll sell the house. No, there's fear behind that always. There's a fear about losing that job. It's got nothing to do with the mortgage mm. because there were solutions to it. So you need to really gain clarity around it. The other thing is, is that let's say the job is a tough job. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing outside of work? To give you what you need. So let's say you're in a job and you need the job and it's kind of boring. So what are you doing outside of work to give you some excitement? To give you, you know, to do something a little bit different. Like, so for me, I used to, in my job, it could be a little bit boring during the day. I liked it. But then at night I would go do acting and improv, right? There's always something that you can do to take care of yourself, to give yourself what you need. But first of all, you need to get that clarity around what it is that you're missing. Well, I think I think that's important. But I will also say that, um, and I was guilty of this, I would say, I can't, I have no time. I'm connected 7 by 24. Right. And that's where you need to start looking at, no one needs to be connected 7 by 24. And actually, a lot of times, your employer doesn't necessarily want you to be connected. It's just not true, right? You just say, I'm not unavailable until, you know. It's not always easy to say it that way. But, I mean, I remember in my old position, there would be people that would be there 24-7. And then I had another friend that would leave at 4.15 every day. And no one yelled at him about leaving at 4.15 because his department ran like a top. He did what he needed to do, nose to the grindstone during the day, and he got out at 4.15. And no one had an issue with it because he was very grounded in what it was that he brought to the table. Um, And the other person would say, he leaves at 4.15 every day. And I would say, if you're as busy as you say you are, how do you know what time he leaves every day? <laughs> right? You're well, too busy, like looking at what everybody else is so doing. So what I learned today is, you know, on the flip side is 
oftentimes if someone were to leave at 4.15, say in my previous career, the boss might say, so I guess everything is buttoned up, everything is on schedule, you have no issues, no problems, no pending work, and your plate is empty and you can go home. That's what this person would say, yes. Yeah, and, and, you know, of course that's not true, right? Right. But the answer should be, from what I learned today, instead of saying yes, screw you under my breath, right. it would be, <laughs> um, no, of course not. However, if I don't re-nurture myself, I'm not going to be able to address anything tomorrow. Right. And everything that I can get done today is done for the most part, mm-hmm. right? You know, I mean, because he really did have everything pretty much buttoned up. And I know that, you know, a lot of times there's a lot of downsizing, there's issues, but yet you can still do that when you're just working smarter. You're clear on what it is, what the important things are that need to be done. Because a lot of what we work on is busy work. Yeah. Just and- to look, you know, we're, we're texting, we're on the phone, we're answering every single email. We have to submit. We're not learning how to triage. We submit 50 hours worth of work during the week when we do our time. Mm. Right. Um, but so this is really cool, but we have to step up. I want to say, like I said, in the beginning. well, I want to add some more before you start buttoning up because there are some other things I want to add. It's also looking at making sure that you're getting enough rest, you're eating correctly, you're hanging out with positive people, you're taking in positive media, you're, you're nurturing your soul when you're not at work, mm. you know, so that when you come into work, you're ready, you're ready. And you're really understanding what it is that you're bringing to the table and what it is about work that you like or what it is about work that you don't like so that when opportunities arise if enough, and, and you decide that you want to move on, you're very clear about where you're going and what you're doing. And that's why when you look at this, everything you said today from assessing, becoming aware, writing stuff down, look at what you're eating and networking and so on. It could be easier to just hate your job, right? And Well, yeah, it can be easier. It can be easier, but then understand that that too is a choice. Right, and we need to, well, like I was going to say before, cut the crap and lead yourself through this because we're better than that, right? Ambivalence can be addicting at work. And... um if we stay self-aware, I think we can we can prevent that. Right. And it was like what we talked about on the um, anger show last month when we talked about how it's contagious. Well, negativity is contagious, but being positive is contagious, too. Mm-hmm. Positive people are contagious. And so that's why I'm saying you, you're being very, very clear on who you're letting into your circle. And what you're doing to nurture yourself so that you can remain positive. Because sometimes work is really tough, even in the best of conditions. It's not always easy and it's not always fun. And it's not meant to always be fun because if it were fun all the time, you wouldn't appreciate it. Right. And work is hard enough as it is, right? Right. To have all this other hoopla around it. Um, But we need to... assess and become aware. And when we write all this stuff down, that helps us make a decision to stay or not stay. And I like to look at it as the decision is always stay, right? Um, And for it to become a not stay, there has to be other factors Mm -hmm. involved, right? So before you jump. 
Well, and the other thing is, too, is is there something that you can do in your off hours to help you move forward in a different direction? If you find out that you really don't want to stay, what can you start doing now while you're still employed to move in another direction? And, you know, uh, you also need a lot of energy for everything to execute everything you shared, Mm -hmm. which I guess speaks to diet and right. everything you else. Ha- that's why you have to nurture yourself. You have to get enough rest. You have to really watch your diet, and you have to watch the negativity that you're letting in. Um, I think uh, I think you you pretty much covered it. Well, I hope that this helped you. It helped start, me. Yeah, well, and I hope that it helped you Liz, really start looking at how you can reframe what you're currently doing and really start liking your job more. Because it's on us. We have to be it's on us. more self-aware and self-leadership skills are needed to help us. Right. Excellent. Great. So thank you for listening. This has been Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and we hope you have a great week. Bye, guys. You've been listening to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Special thanks to our producer, Dave Olson, and the TalkZone family. All our replays are available at TalkZone.com or in the iTunes store. Also, be sure to download the free TalkZone app so you can listen to our show at any time. Your suggestions and comments are always welcome. Please email us at info at charlieandeva.com. Thanks again for listening.